Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third episode of the Pixel Play Podcast, the podcast where two grown-ass men delve into the big news stories of gaming, as well as gush and rant about the past, present, and future of gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Kalen, aka Catastrophe, along my with my co-host, Adam C.S. Radical. Uh, in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Stadia closing its two first-party studios. We're going to be talking about the MLB, the show moving from a PlayStation exclusive to a Xbox multi-platform game. We're going to be talking about the Mass Effect Legendary Edition release and all the news coming out of Mass Effect. And we're going to be uh, comparing our PlayStation stats as the PlayStation blog has released uh, its 2020 year in review. Before we get started, Adam, just want to say, how are you doing today? I am doing so wonderfully that every time I stare at this PlayStation wrap-up, my brain goes, oh, thank God it's a COVID year. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's fine. It's You know, we do this podcast now. It's work-related. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah justify I think I can also now. make the excuse, too. It's like, I, I, I have to. We have to. I, mean, we I can't have do to this have podcast. no life for this life, okay? <laughs> exactly. You know, what else are we going to do with it? So, um, no, I completely agree. We need it in order to make sure that we can talk about stuff on this podcast. At least that's how I'm going to justify it. Uh, hopefully the wife doesn't listen to this episode. And realize <laughs> Except how much for the first story that we're going to do. Because the first yeah. story didn't require us to play anything, because Lord knows nope. no one is. No one's playing it. Yeah, that's a good segue. So, uh, first story on the day, Stadia closes its first-party studios. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Stadia is Google's answer to PlayStation and Microsoft. It is the cloud-based streaming gaming platform. Um, and yeah, it is closing its two first-party studios who have yet to release a game. Um According to, I believe this was Polygon, uh, Google will close its two game studios located in Montreal and Los Angeles. Neither had released any games yet, and that closure will impact around 150 developers, one source familiar with Stadia operations said. Uh, the, game company, the company says it will try to find those developers new roles at Google. Google will continue to operate the Stadia gaming service and its $10 monthly Stadia Pro service. It's unclear how many, if any, exclusive games will come to the service, though the company has indicated that it will, can still sign new games and will bring more third-party releases to the platform. Uh, it goes on to say the company plans to begin offering its Stadia tech to publishers, opening up the possibility for Stadia to become streaming tech for other video game companies. Google's head Stadia operations longtime console executive, Phil Harrison, will focus on pursuing these new partnerships. Adam, what do you make of this information? Well, two things. One, I was completely unaware they had two solo studios, so that, that was <laughs> that was my first bit of information from that story. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I didn't know you guys were making anything. And then two, um, I'm not surprised this happened. The only thing is, I'm surprised it happened so soon. I figured, I figured this is a potential pathway, but I figured they would have got a game out first. Assu yeah. Assuming that I knew that they had a first party studio, I would have been like, okay, they'll at least try. Like Amazon tried to make games, they just failed horribly but they, f they at least they tried in yeah google's, google's case they're just like, like you know what no no we didn't lose we just quit <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not we fired. didn't fail yeah we didn't fail no we didn't fail we just never tried no and i completely agree like i think it's interesting that these you know game companies and like they didn't have small people like uh the creator of assassin's creed was one of the people that was working on in these state in these studios so it's not like they had you know nobody or, or like they had like no inconsequential like they had big names in the studio for it to shut down 
Well, I'm sure Jade Raymond is is so upset with the uh, probable like package that she got as she went out the door. So, you know, I'm sure she's probably not hurting it. I'm sure somebody will scoop her up pretty quick. She's already gone through Ubisoft and EA over the course of her career. I think she'll do fine. She probably just saw the dumpster fire and went, I'm going to get the hell out of this before it becomes yeah. really bad. Yeah. So what does this mean for Stadia? Like, is it long for this world? Is it in its death throes? I mean, it can be it can be in this world as long as they want it to be. Google has the money to keep this alive as much as they pretty much want it to. But as we've kind of learned with Google and their side projects, they tend to get bored of their toys very quickly. And if it's not making them tons of money, if it's not an, an automatic success, like it just it won't stay very long. And I think Stadia is now I don't know if it's on thin ice, but I think it needs to start paying attention to when the cracks start to show up. Yeah, I feel like they've struggled at the gate, and I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, on like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of consoles when they first launch, you know, it's it's hit or miss whether it's going to land. It's not like it's going to be a smash hit from the very beginning. It takes time to become, you know, a massive console. But I think it's just the fact that I think it was just, you know, rushed out. The fact that it came out and it had, like, its big games were like Doom Eternal, which had already been out for months ahead of time. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the things like it just wasn't ready. And the fact that you have first party studios who don't really have anything to show for already yet, like that's kind of a huge, huge problem. There, there are honestly a few mistakes that they made all right off the gate or right out of the gate. And the biggest one is that they had no exclusives. There was no reason to get the platform because it's a cloud gaming service, but they already exist in PlayStation now and Xbox game pass, which you know, to some extent at that point when they first announced Stadia, it wasn't, like, Game Pass wasn't nearly the juggernaut that it's become now. PlayStation Now is still kind of the same, like, non-factor that it was back then. But realistically, they went into a market that was A, in its very early development, and B, didn't really have a hook. So, apart from the Google name, they didn't really have anything that was supposed to entice you. It was just a service. It was almost like they were just trying to be the Netflix of gaming without having the, the titles that Netflix has to pull you in. Yeah, I think one of the problems is like like you said, it's an online streaming game, so like there's no physical hardware, which is one a great thing if you have strong, reliable internet. But I think the problem is when you look at something like Netflix or you know Amazon Prime or whatever, it's easy for them to stream because it's a linear one path. You know, you show this this scene, then this scene, this then this scene. But to stream you know games is quite challenging, and I know they do it with PlayStation Now and Game Pass. I believe you can download so. The fact that you can't download is an issue, but I think I think they're in a really they were an interesting idea. The fact that you could have a high-end gaming PC theoretically just hooked up in some server warehouse, and you don't need to be updating and, and running it. I think it was just they came out with a bad model in the sense that you know you're paying for, you pay I think it's like 100, 100 150 bucks for the console so you can get the controller, and then I think you're paying for the monthly service, and then you have to buy the games on top. Like, it seems kind of weird to do it that way. That was and, the big thing, too, was the fact that you were having to pay for the games that you're streaming, which makes no sense. Exactly, right? I mean, it's either, you know, do something like Steam where you can get the, plat the, the platform for free and you pay for the games or, you know, buy your way in. And then once you're in, you get these games. But I think if you look at stuff like, I think, I think inadvertently, one of the things that probably made the most sense was, you know, CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk 2077, I hear runs fantastic on that. And so if you are either a console player who, you know, doesn't have, um, 
like a console player who, who isn't getting a good experience or you don't have, you know, the best gaming PC, Stadia was looking like an awesome way to kind of get the best of Cyberpunk 2077. And they didn't really push it either. That's the thing. What Like, that was something that I think that was a missed opportunity. So I think they're trying to go for the console players, but I think really what they should be going for is the PC gaming crowd. So I think that was a missed, missed thing. And to have a service provided without any first-party studios to show, like, hey, what makes this significant? Like, I think that's an issue there. Because that's the thing, right? Like, I, I really do believe that the exclusivity of, of titles at least draws you into a console. Like, you don't go to PlayStation just because it's the best console. You go there because God of War is on there, Uncharted's on there, Ghost of Tsushima's on there. Like, you have that. And if you're an Xbox guy, you're going there because Halo's on there, Gears of War's on there. Like, there's a reason you're there. Same with Nintendo, same with Steam. Because, actually, sorry, that's a lie. Steam doesn't really have the exclusivity. Epic kind of is the only one that really does that. But, like, well, Steam has just become, it's become, like, it. Steam doesn't need exclusivity because it became the brand of PC gaming. So that, that's yeah. kind of the different case with them. But console-wise, you're drawn to a specific console for a reason. You don't just come into the game just being a place to play because Steam is that market and you can't have two Steams. It doesn't work that way. So you have to give something to draw people in. And if Google being the name behind it is the draw, that's not good enough to gamers because gamers are like, okay, you're a search engine. What am I getting from you? Yeah, well, I think I think for them, the the specialty that they have or what they bring to the table is the cloud gaming that they provide. But I think the problem is, is that you can't test how well it works until you buy it. So they almost need to have a way that if you could have it where I could plug in a any controller I have into my system and I can play get onto the Google Stadia for free and test it out, great. Then maybe I'll check it out. But I mean, I think if you had a situation where, yeah, I can go in for free and I could go get Cyberpunk 2077 and play it right there without having to buy into this ecosystem, I think you would have had a lot of people migrate over. But I mean, I can't even figure out where to buy a Stadia. Like, do you, have you seen one anywhere? Like, do you know where to get one if you wanted one? I mean, I'm just going through the site right now and checking out like a free trial to see what it if it tries to to do anything with that. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying not to get too far because I don't want to end up putting my credit card in on something that I don't want to do. So <laughs> yeah, the free trial. I would hope that at this point, like I'm assuming that it's been out there long enough that I would be shocked if you don't have other controller support that you can just use anything else and that you can't just use the service as it is because that would be a pretty silly move on their part because I think. If you're just a streaming service, but you need their controller, it seems kind of backwards because um, anybody can do anything with that. Yeah, Steam tried that. It didn't go super well. Not to mention their controller doesn't exactly look that amazing. Like it's, It really just looks like every other controller. So the thing is, is like, why am I paying for that? Especially if I'm giving you a monthly subscription and I'm still paying for games, Like you shouldn't be making me pay for anything. In fact, if I'm paying a monthly service, you should be giving me the controller. Yeah, I'd almost like to see it where it's... Um... Like, I guess my question to you is, what does the future, what does Stadia look like in the future? Where, where does it go from here? I mean, apart from being in the ground? Yeah. Is, is can it be salvaged at this point? And what does it have to do in order to stick the around on, or, or the what only happens way, to it? The only way I think it can be salvaged at this point is a major publisher has to get online with them as, as an exclusive publisher. And I'm not talking like an indie studio. I'm talking like something of the level of like a Bandai Namco. I'm not yeah. saying a level of a Capcom because that might be too fu- that might be pushing your luck because Capcom wouldn't be stupid enough to do that, but like something that's up there where it's like oh I know that name instead of you know who, 
And I don't think that's going to happen for Stadia because I think they all recognize that why the hell would we be exclusive to one platform and especially one that doesn't have a proven track record. So to be completely honest, I think it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when this thing gets shut down. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think I think it's days are numbered. I think it's a neat idea that just we're not quite there yet. I think people are still... I know there's some people who've gone digital, but it's not quite ready. We're not quite ready yet for a streaming gaming service, at least the way they designed it. I think it would have to be... I think they have to revamp it and have it where you can get onto the platform for free. Like anyone can get on Steam. And then if you want to play and dabble, then you can start buying games and or even, you know, renting games. Like imagine you play... You know, I'm going to rent the game for the month or something like that. I mean, Xbox bucks. Game Pass has proven the model. Exactly, right? So you just need a way that people can get on for free. Um, and either that's, you know, charge for the for the system, get the controller, get the Chromecast or whatever. You're good to go and then just rent the games for free. Or, you know, you you get the, you use the, whatever you have at home and you pay the service fee, a rental fee to get access and then rent them or something. I think, to be honest, I don't think an exclusive is really going to do it because to get a big, you know, exclusive, like you mentioned, that equally can have, you know, that can blow back in their faces being like, oh, why are you buying up these exclusives and, and putting them into your system and locking them behind well, everything and, else? And, that, and that's the thing, too, is it probably wouldn't work regardless, but I think it's the only thing that they could do because I don't know if I don't know if changing the system right now is going to really do much at this point because I think the stink's already there. Yeah. I think people have already, like, decided that they're pushing it to the side and they're not coming back to it. I don't know if there's anything Stadia could do apart from giving away games for free, like major, major games for free to pull people in. But Epic's done that. And as we've seen with the recent statistics came up from 2020, they didn't make a lot of sales. Like in terms of games like being sold, they didn't sell a lot. It's yeah. clear that a lot of Epic's games that are getting transactions are all the freebies. Yeah. So it seems like just making shit free isn't going to automatically get people to spend money on your service. Now, if it works as a subscription like Stadia does, maybe that gives a better shot at it. But I don't know if it's it's like a massive enough shift that it would suddenly make the platform viable. It just might make it live a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I almost feel like the, I feel like it was like a missed opportunity that they need to partner with a PC centric gaming company and, you know, have some sort of agreement with them like, hey, don't even make it exclusive on Stadia, but, you know, best experience. And I feel like I know Cyberpunk lined up with Microsoft, but that would have been a huge win for them. If they're like, hey, get the best experience on the cheapest platform for with Stadia. You buy Cyberpunk, you get, uh, you know, the console or you buy the console, you get, you know, CD, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, you know, included or something. And I think that would have gotten a lot of people in. So I, I think, to be honest, I think where, where their future's headed, I don't think stadia as a standalone console is going to be around but i think where it's going to end up is i think that technology is going to get scooped up whether it's through you know ubisoft doing something like this or if it's uh, another one activision or ea i know they have their own services but i think i've heard that the streaming service and technology they have works well but i i think it's not going to be something i think they need to have a gaming brand pick it up and, and use it there so could be like square square enix or something like that could grab it like that would that would kind of make sense because I know, I know a lot of them have it, but I don't think Square Enix has anything like that, do they? No, I don't know if they knew. Like, apart from, like, something like Final Fantasy XIV Online, which, you know, maybe maybe that'd be some way of getting around that. But I, generally speaking, is I, do, I don't know if there even is room for another company to come in. Because, I mean, Google tried it and didn't do it. 
there's not really many other companies with a capital that could go that far. And Amazon, I don't think, cares enough about the gaming industry to really try to begin with. So, because they got way too many other things they can do, they don't need to yeah. be putting time into it. I think yeah, at no, this it, point, it's it's almost a fool's errand if you're not one of the big companies. I don't know if anybody else can really compete with them now, considering we live in this world where everything's a massive conglomerate of companies. So, yeah, I'm just trying to think who who would be the next one. I mean, I mean, the only Apple. other people that could try would be Apple. In, in all honesty, no, I don't think Samsung would bother. No, they would probably no. just partner with somebody like Sony or something. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but like it is interesting because the article does say that you know. Um, Google is now starting to offer Stadia tech to publishers. So it might be one of those things. It may be something that helps like other services, but I, I don't know if the Stadia name is going to have that much more staying power for maybe like the next couple of years. No, it's, it's, it's not going to be much longer. I don't think we're going to see it as Stadia, the console much longer. So yeah. Speaking of exclusives, uh, one that is no longer an exclusive MLB, the show 21. Do they just call it 21 yes. MLB 21, yep. the show? Yeah, so that one, uh, if you're not familiar, is a traditional PlayStation exclusive, or has it been at least for, what, 15, 10, 15 years? I mean, it's 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 made by Sony San Diego Studios, so yeah. it's it's been under their brand for quite some time. Yeah, so that, that one has been a Sony brand for a while, but I guess uh, back in 2019, Sony and MLB came to an agreement that uh, this franchise is going to be a multi-platform video game partnership. And by came to an agreement, probably MLB said, hey, if you want to keep this license, you got to start putting it on some uh, other consoles. Um, and so they, Sony kind of probably reluctantly agreed and, and moved it over to their to the Xbox. So we just got confirmation that MLB 21, the show is, or MLB the show 21 is going to be coming to uh, PS4, PS5, and the Xbox and Xbox Series X, um, I think April 20th. Uh, what are, what's your thoughts on this, Adam? Where, where do you, what's the first thing you want to start with? Um, well, I mean, I've been playing the last couple of games. I did. I skipped the uh, the the newest one before this, just because mm-hmm. I finally I finally got to a point where like I love baseball. Like baseball is my biggest sport, next to hockey. As a you know, by law here, as us Canadians, you know, have to look at it as. But um, sports games generally are very, very, very grubby in terms of trying to get every penny out of your pocket. We obviously think of like Madden and FIFA, for example. MLB The Show is still kind of in that frame because it has its ultimate team. It has the spend money on random friggin' packs that you might get stuff that carries no value in the real world. So it still is as dumb as that. But it's still a really solid game. Like most people will tell you that The Show is actually a really legit good simulation baseball series. It's not, you know, a copy and paste. They actually do put some legitimate work into this game. So it makes perfect sense that with the success that it's been, because it is one of the more highly rated sports games that MLB went, hey, we like money too, you know, so why don't we, uh, why don't we, why don't we put this somewhere else? Yeah, well, I think... I'm sure Sony was reluctant, but they probably also went, wait, that's double the money that we get now off this. Um, All right, you pulled our leg. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's probably not to diminish the work they do, but it's probably easy money. Like you've got Sony San Diego, they've been doing this for years. They know what they're doing. And I imagine like, once again, not trying to take away the work that they do, but I imagine that it's not a lot of work to take the base model that they have and tweak it as opposed to it's not like they're starting from the ground up. So I think MLB saw FIFA and um, NFL and everyone, like all those sports games and saying like, look, they're making way more cash 
by going on both platforms why are we tying my, ourselves to one console and i think sony didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to like hey yeah we still have the license we still have the platform like we're still making money even on the xbox sales i mean it probably sucks for them to have to pay that you know fee to microsoft to sell it on their store but i think they're going to come out ahead um with this one but that being said like i don't know like if mlb the show is really going to move much in terms of oh man i was on playstation but hey i can get it on xbox now sign me up i'm gonna jump on that one like, yeah i don't, I don't think, think it's, it's gonna i don't think it's meant to pull anybody i think it's just gonna compliment people who have the xbox yeah because I, mean, I guess yeah sports fans generally like i f- and it might just me like being a little bit like stereotypical but i find that the sports crowd generally leans the xbox route anyway I mean, Xbox One was originally being sold to people as a TV box with ESPN. So yeah. it's not really surprising. Like, okay, I'm going to go full stereotype. I know the Xbox console is the bro console. And what do, what do bros like? They love their freaking shooters. They love their beer and they love their sports. So for, quite frankly, the most beer-heavy sport that isn't NASCAR to be... Actually, sorry, football is probably Just, just interrupt. We, we, we also, also like beer and shooting games and all that kind of stuff so don't we're we're in this venn diagram a little bit but i know well, yeah but we also do we really assort us do we really put the bro culture on canadians or we do we immediately think of like american colleges yeah yeah we, yeah yeah I, I know where you're going I just, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like don't 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 give the beer that that's not an exclusive in that in that little circle sorry 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 i forget we like beer here they like water i forgot my bad <laughs> my mistake my mistake Flavor, it's flavored water down there I, I don't drink at all, so I wouldn't know you. So. <laughs> oh, look at you just getting all big and just, you know, picking fights that you're not even in. <laughs> that's that's basically me in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> well, it's good to know that if ever we get in a fight that you're going to talk, you know, talk some crap. I'm going to talk fight, that and you're shit and back up walk as away. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. But um, yeah, go, go, going back to the game itself, like, I'm not shocked by any of this. It makes perfect sense. It's the kind of game, like, a sports game should be on every console to begin with. I think an exclusive sports game that is, like, a major AAA game should be on every console. In fact, I'd rather this be going beyond that and go on PC and Switch as well, if possible. Because sports are, sports are universal. Like, there are certain games out there that are exclusive that are kind of tailored for a given audience. Like, it took a while for a lot of Japanese games to get off of Sony because most people associated Sony with the with like the Japanese RPG style stuff. Mm-hmm. Xbox was always the, I guess Big like the game guy with kind a gun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the Red Red Bull Monster Energy Drink, thirteen year old like screaming in the microphone. Yeah, I mean it makes perfect sense. Now the only interesting question that I'm gonna have when it comes to this, and we'll and maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. I wonder if a cut happens with the with the uh, microtransactions to Sony or not, like the studio itself. I assume they must get a cut of any microtransaction. That's the one interesting thing, because obviously they get a cut from any game sale, but do they get a cut off the DLC because that's specifically tailored from the store? I would imagine so. Sorry, does Microsoft or does Sony get a cut? Does from I would assume like does so Sony get a cut if you buy like packs off of the Microsoft store? I would oh, assume I they do. I would a hundred percent do. Well, I mean, I think it all sort of. I mean, I'm not a business person by any sense of the imagination, like, but I would imagine that it goes like Microsoft takes its cut and then it trickles down into Sony San Diego. And then I guess because it's a first party, it eventually trickles up to Sony. Like, I mean, realistically, it's a win win because Microsoft now gets to make some money and PlayStation is going to make even more money. So 
The only thing that I worry is if now that you're doing it for multiple platforms, does that hinder the quality as much? Because now you're working with different frameworks. In this specific generation, I don't... Well, they are making for PS4 and Xbox One as well, so there is that. But... I wonder if because they were making it for one console, it was it was a lot easier than it is for making it for multiples. It might also make them want to copy and paste more now, which might turn it into another Madden or FIFA-like. That's the one thing that I would think about, but I don't know if it's worth worrying about right now because Sony San Diego or San Diego Studios has pretty much proven that they actually care. Like I, I've kept up with them for a couple of years. They do some incredible work with their community management and stuff. Like these guys at least have a track record that has shown that they should be trusted. Although I would have said that about CD Projekt Red a couple of months ago, and we all know where that went. So who knows? You know, we're but developing at least a theme point, when it comes to we're, we're developing a theme when it comes to CD Projekt Red. They're not gonna they're not gonna work with us in the future. No, no. But um, <laughs> I, I think at this point it's like it's like anything else. These guys have the track record. It's more than willing to give them at least a fair shake to see what happens with this new setup and whether or not it stays like that is is yet to be seen. It's just that of course when they're on multiple platforms and with more money on the line, you wonder if things get more predatory. That's the one worry you really come into. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think the game is going to change in terms of quality. I think being a first party studio, they're always going to be like the the agreement is that they launch it on Xbox. I don't think there was ever an agreement that it was going to be. Like it had to be good on the Xbox, so I think it's gonna be one of those things where they're gonna be like, "Yeah, put every, put like eighty percent of this into PlayStation and our console, and then just do whatever you have to to make it functional." And I'm not trying to make them seem scummy or or gross in that practice, but rather just their priority is gonna be PlayStation. They are a PlayStation studio. It will be, think- actually now that you think about, it, they might end up putting some content earlier. Like they they had they usually have like a monthly i believe i can't remember it's been a while i can't remember if it was monthly or weekly but they would have like special events with the cards and stuff that they would be like hey you can get this i wonder if they would get stuff earlier like a lot of games have been doing you know where you get the content first on playstation like call of duty would do with some consoles and stuff like that that might still be a possibility well i know i was reading on uh engadget and they were saying that yeah they're going to do cross-generational saves if you buy like the collector's edition or whatever it's not going to be a free upgrade but they were saying that, uh, and I don't know, you can maybe explain what this is a little bit more because I'm not 100% certain. But they're saying that they're not going to allow importation of career or uh, the road to the show progress from previous versions of the game. Yeah, basically um, like modes Xbox. that are, basically modes that you could carry, like normally you could carry over like this, like you play from like the rookies all the way up to the majors. It's like just a career path thing. Normally if you have like one that's done halfway into one game, you can completely pull it over into the next one and keep the rosters the same. So you can just keep going, but on, on like a new platform with the graphics, maybe update a little bit and, and maybe like a little bit of a tweak. So maybe it's the gameplay is just a little bit better that way. It's just now they're like, Hey, like it's not going to work on multiple platforms because um that's, that's weird and complicated. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I wonder if that's just a thing because like, they're just having a hard time bringing it over now. And if going forward, they'll both have it. Well, I mean, if the game is if the game is on the cons or like twenty two, it's going to have no problem doing that because you can easily transfer it from platform to platform because you're using Xbox now for more than one game. I don't know if they if you would ever transfer Sony to Xbox unless they were like cloud saving it, which is still kind of complicated in some games. Like GTA, I think still doesn't do that. So yeah, does 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 Minecraft do that? Because I know like Reverse Microsoft owns. Mine, or Microsoft you, you can owns play, Minecraft. You can but. play on cross-platform. I don't know if servers... I don't know if you make a server on PlayStation and you can suddenly play it on Xbox. I can't remember on that front. Yeah. I think there's still some things that they're ironing the kinks out. So, 
And it also yeah. might just be like they don't think it's that important a feature. And quite honestly, I don't know if they consider it to be that much anyway because that's an offline mode and you don't really make much of your money there. So they'll probably focus way more on Diamond Dynasty, which is their money-making online uh, mode. So For sure. Uh, last question I just had on this story. Like we're seeing, Microsoft, or we're seeing Sony um, getting a little bit less protective of their... Uh, exclusives in the sense that, I mean, obviously this one is a little bit different, but, you know, MLB The Show is coming to Microsoft. Uh, you're seeing God of War in Fortnite, um, and you're seeing Horizon Zero Dawn, and I think Death Stranding going on to PC. Like, are, are we seeing Sony's kind of loosening their grip on their first parties, or do you think this is just a separate incident? Well, I think they're already loosening their grip. It's just a matter of, the, is the question really, is would a game like Horizon be on Xbox, in which the answer is no? No. I don't think we're going we're ever going to get that far but I think a game like this makes sense because again like technically it's not their game they own the likeness to all these athletes that the MLB owns the property rights to so I think that's a different situation but when it comes to PC games we're already seeing the answer to that and that's yes they're loosening up a little bit they're starting to release games on other services cuz they realize there's money to be made especially if you put one of your best games in Horizon on Steam people play that and go oh that's really cool they may not get a PlayStation, but they're thinking about PlayStation, which is something most PC gamers don't do. So yeah. that's already a foot in the door. And I think that's what they're thinking. I don't know if they want to go as far as Xbox, because if you already own an Xbox, you're generally not going to get a PlayStation unless you can afford both. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of games coming out soon, that was a terrible segue. Um, let's, let's move on to something that I know you're definitely more excited about. Uh, no, no, not at all contain your excitement here adam mass effect legendary edition uh adam tell the audience what's your you know i know you're kind of mild on this you're not super excited but just let the audience know just kind of where you're sitting with this whole mass effect thing i know i don't know have you heard of this sir like have you heard of this before i don't normally day one purchase games this might be one of them yeah and why is that um to basically put it in the simplest terms possible um the mass effect trilogy quite frankly in my opinion is the best long-form storytelling in video games period so to be able to replay that with minor tweaks to the gameplay and a much more amazing visual tweak uh i am more than happy to get back in now after it's been long enough and kind of re-experience it not to mention i'm probably going to want to because in a few years we'll probably be seeing a mass effect 4 and i have different thoughts about that but that's not what we're talking about here so um i'm so, am... sorry i'm not, not going to interrupt I, 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 sorry i am going to interrupt uh just before we go any further just to catch everyone up uh if you haven't heard mass effect legendary edition this is sort of the what are we calling it remaster it is a remaster it's yeah it is a remaster of, of the first three mass effect three proper games of mass thank effect. god uh yeah so we it's don't talk include, about the other one we don't talk about the other one uh it's gonna include mass effect one two and three all in one package um adam do you want to kind of i'm sure you probably have more details on this do you want to kind of give a rundown of what is included what's going to happen so basically everything is included except for the multiplayer aspect in three, like all the DLC that was done, even like this weird promotional content. Like you remember back in the day when you'd have to go to like the convenience store and buy a Snickers to get something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Square Enix with Marvel's Avengers. That was a fantastically archaic idea, but <laughs> no, everything that's basically put in those games and those three games is going to be in there. And obviously it's updated to 4k with um, HDR. You're going to get, 
a few minor tweaks like it's there's nothing gonna be major there's some stuff that i wish they would have tweaked more because the original mass effect is a weird a weird game to play and then go into two and three did you ever play the trilogy at all so just for like to admit i played one i really enjoyed it it clicked with me I, i really liked it i played two and i got burnt out um i was playing it and i just i don't know i was playing the characters and I was doing all the character stories and I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like I was doing all the backstories and I was like, fly to this mission and fight for this. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to move on to like the main story. And I just felt it got bogged down too much in character side stories. So I played Mass Effect 1, loved it, played Mass Effect 2 and I got bored because I felt it wasn't, it was too character driven and not enough. See, um, as the as the resident yeah. JRPG guy, that was beyond like up my alley. <laughs> so I was happy as hell to be doing that. Um, the thing with Mass Effect 1, and if it's going to probably happen anyway to people who get the Legendary Edition and play the trilogy for the first time, especially, um, to play the first game and to play 2 and 3 is a very, very strange change because 1 was built almost like an RPG with gunplay, and then yep. they realized that that wasn't quite what they were hoping for because here's the thing with 1. So the, the two biggest differences between 1 and 2 is that 1 had no ammo, two and three do and then what two and three do that one doesn't is the aiming is a lot more precise because the problem with one that that i still have to this day is that you know when you normally play a first person shooter you have the cursor and if you shoot where the middle of that cursor is you know that's where the bullet's probably going when you play on mass effect it's a circle and if you point it at something you might hit it (laughs) yeah and that and here's the thing and I know some people really love Mass Effect 1, and I still do, but I love the story more than I like the gameplay to 1. I don't feel like a shooter works as an RPG in, in the sense of its gameplay mechanics. I don't think it's easy to do a gun game with RPG, like, roll-the-dice level, like, aim-based mechanics. Like, people expect that when you shoot a gun and you point at something, it's going to either hit the thing or it's going to just miss it. Not, it's going to hit the thing or maybe, like, 100 feet around it. Yeah. So... When they upgraded to, I know a lot of people got really mad because it went from an RPG, in their opinion, to more of a third-person, like, run-and-cover kind of game, which I get it. If you were a big RPG guy, if you were thinking, like, Bioware for their Dragon Age series, Knights of the Old Republic, I get it. But when you understand what they were actually going for in a third-person shooter space epic, it's really, really weird to make an intense shooting game where you can't trust the aim that you're doing. So they made some changes between 1 and 2 that I think were necessary, and I wish they'd actually done it further because it sounded like they were going to completely overhaul one system so it'd be more like 2. And I went, you know what, that's going to tick people off, but it's kind of necessary because the weirdest thing that a lot of new players are going to see when they play the Legendary Edition is the inconsistency between 1 and 2. They're going to think like they're two completely different games. Yeah, I mean, it's different. Like you, like before when they got released, like you had time between... And I think this is one of the, like, a question to raise when you're doing remasters. Like, and I know they did it with like Shadow of the Colossus and stuff. Like, do you, when you're making these remasters, do you try and capture the spirit of the gameplay and the controls, or do you adjust it for, you know, a modern game style? Like, I mean, our industry is, inter- is interesting in that it's constantly iterative and like improving. And so, do you take those gameplays and do you keep them as is, or do you think it's worthwhile to change it and reflect quality of life improvements that we make through the industry through time? I think it's on a case-by-case basis because it depends on what you're remastering and when it's from. Mm-hmm. So if we're remastering Final Fantasy VII, you can do whatever you want because it's so archaic that it probably needs the overhaul and you can mess with it. If it's something like, say, if they ever remaster like Red Dead Redemption, I don't think you need to change too, too much. 
or in oh the case God, of like when they re- when they remaster like hell they remastered um last of us like yeah it was a barely that old game like you don't have to do too much in the case of mass effect i think it's again a case by case i think two and three you could largely be okay with and just make very minor quality of life things like for example with the multiplayer being taken out of three now you don't have to play that part to get the better endings so at least it takes some stuff away. There's a few like things that they really could change that would be nice, but I mean, I can't expect the world from it. It's a remaster. It's not a remake. You got to take that in, in 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 stride. But with one, I think it was really important that they at least do enough to kind of make it feel on par with two and three. Because when you really do play them back to back, it. I know that the games weren't that far apart, but it really does feel in retrospect like three, like like one two is like a five to ten year gap it feels almost like it was on two different consoles with how like different those systems were so i think in this specific case i think you do serve better to at least change more than you leave but i mean it's still a really masterful trilogy and the game is largely carried on its story so i think most people will play mass effect one and even if some of the gameplay elements like the weird shooting mechanics and the Mako, although they've apparently improved the Mako sections, which that's all I want. I, li- me- I liked I liked those sections. Like I I got kind of bored with like the probing in two. Like it was kind of I, I oh kinda that missed- yeah no the probing in two is terrible. Yeah, I kind of liked the, the Mako just driving around in that. The one thing that they that they did do with the Mako that I'm appreciative of is that they just made it faster because yeah. the the levels are so open and boring like. It's it really when you play Mass Effect One, it feels like the planets you land are almost like procedurally generated maps. Like there's no life to them except for the three key things you need to go to. Yeah. So at least now with these sections, they've done enough quality of life things that it won't be like a terrible thing. But like I said, most of it's going to be carried on its story. You're going to play through some of the weird stuff that you're like, really that would that was a, they thought that was a good idea, but the story's so bloody strong that I think most people will get sucked in by the time you get to the end. So more or less. They're, they're doing changes that's, like, enough to probably be noticeable, but not enough to be transformative, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one thing you, you mentioned prior, and I, I mean, I never played the game, so I don't have a super strong opinion, but what where do you fall on the decision to go with the updated slash retcon kind of ending to 3? Well, I don't think it matters now, because now that we've seen the trailer for the new game, they've picked their ending. Yeah. So now and now people are going to feel really stupid to pick any of the other endings because it seems like they're not going with those anymore. Do you think that like in hindsight, they should have kept the original ending that they had created? Or do you think that was just, just well, they've kept in? the original ending. They just put the extended cut in. So it's really the same endings. They just added a little bit more to it. Yeah. Like really what happened is that people freaked out about the way the ending was structured and they just added a few more things to make it seem like you did something. I really do fall under the camp that I don't know what people thought was going to happen. Because, like, without really spoiling anything, the threat that you're facing... It is a pretty I still don't want to do it because I think... I I, want to give people the chance to experience it, especially newer players. Because this is definitely going to be something that a new generation is going to get into. Um, The way the third game is done is that the end villain is not something you're going to be able to fight alone. So if people seem to think that, like, there's going to be this amazing ending where you're just going to be able to, to win the fight... You were not going to be able to win that fight as a small crew on one ship. So the reality is, is what they kind of wrote, while as dumb as it is, it almost feels like it was the closest thing they could do to make sense of it. Especially if you pick the now canon ending, because it really is um, 
the, the, the kind of option that would have made sense. Not to mention some of the fan theory. Did you ever, you probably didn't go deep enough into this, but there was something called the indoctrination theory with the series. Can you get into it without spoilers? Uh, basically, there there's this entity in the world that kind of brainwashes some people, and people have theorized that since about the second game at some point, the main character has been slowly being brainwashed over the course of the series. And that the, the the ending might actually have just been a plan to try and get him to kill himself and end the war in their favor rather yeah. than lose. So the canon ending is almost like him breaking out of the, the brainwashing. That's what some people have theorized. And it makes like there's a lot of evidence that thinks it makes sense, but no one has obviously confirmed it because why would the developers admit that? Oh, yeah, you guys fi- figured it out. Yeah, well, that's totally what we meant because they clearly <laughs> didn't. They they rushed this ending out. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. It's pretty obvious, but. Uh, now, do you think that, you know, this legendary edition, is that going to, you know, solve the wounds that was, you know, Andromeda? Is it going to bring people back in or? Or, or, or what do you think this does for the franchise? Does it reinvigorate people into believing into, you know, um, like Bioware and stuff? Or, or what do you think? The Legendary Edition, honestly, is not going to mend wounds. In fact, it might just do what happens when you pour antiseptic on the wound. It's going to burn, but at least you're feeling like, ah, it might heal. I, d- I don't think the Legendary Edition is going to make people forget Andromeda, nor do I think it's going to make them forget the ending that comes in Mass Effect 3. What I hope that it does is it at least gets people back into the swing of things so that when a couple of years from now they finally show a better trailer of what the, the new game is going to be, that at least gets people kind of geared up again. And that's probably what's going to happen with me is going through the trilogy again. I haven't gone through it in probably four or five years, so it'd be nice to go back and with a fresh coat of paint. And I mean, now that the new trailer came out of the game show awards, like I'm already, or not the game show awards, the, the game awards, I'm already theorizing what the hell is going to happen. Cause with the ending that they've chosen, it's, they've almost written themselves into a weird corner that I'm kind of curious on what they're going to do. So just getting the, the trilogy back to play again, just kind of makes me get to re like rehash all that information and kind of go through my head and being like, all right, now what can they do? Yeah. So I don't think it's healing anything, but I think it's going to at least get people like back in the swing of at least paying attention again, and it's going to introduce new people, which is really probably what the goal is: is to get new people back, or not new yeah, people back, I, to get new people in. Yeah, to get like new people, like people who may have been like not playing video games, or there are going to be some like fourteen, yet. sixteen year olds that are going to be enjoying some nice alien side boob. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Do you think it's a missed opportunity? Uh, they said that it is not going to be designed for there's no going to be like backward there's not going to be any sort of enhanced xbox series x or s or playstation 5 version it's going to be just you know xbox one pc and ps4 with the option for backwards compatibility like is that a missed opportunity like it's coming out in may like we're going to be what six months into a new generation of consoles like obviously not everyone has one at that point but i mean there's gonna be a lot more is, is that sort of a missed opportunity in terms of just having it on the backwards or the previous generation consoles? I don't think so. I don't think in this specific case that it means anything. God only knows how, how long they've been working on it, so it's it's very possible they were working with the PS4 intended. Uh, but it, it, in, in quite honestly, like to make it that big an upgrade, it's still going to be in 4K in some aspects, so you're still going to be able to play it on PS5 and 4K probably. Yeah. Or maybe it's a PC thing, I'm not sure. But ge- yeah. generally speaking, like... I don't think it's it's not a remake, so it's not really going to be that much of a fresh coat of paint that it matters. Yeah. I don't, and not to mention like 
I, I don't think it really makes a difference. I mean, it'd be nice. I don't know if it's going to be 60 frames on, on PS4. I doubt it would be. I think it's still going to be locked at 30. But it's fine. Like, it, it could be, could it be better? Yeah, I'd always love to have the PS5 upgrade version. But I'd rather they not spend extra time on that and work on the next game because I want that shot in my veins as soon as possible because I want that redemption story. Because, like, you asked the question, do you think it'll heal the wounds? No, but I want the promise that it might. That's, that's yeah. really what I'm looking for because Mass Effect, as a personal thing for me, is pretty much like that generation's Final Fantasy. Like, I grew up with Final Fantasy as a kid on Super Nintendo and PlayStation, and Mass Effect became my my new Final Fantasy because uh, since 10, in my opinion, Final Fantasy's kind of uh, floundered. So, honestly, you know, to be able to have what became, like, my new favorite thing... I was really looking forward to Andromeda, and that killed me. So I'm kind of hoping for that reminder of what used to be fun. Because, as like a lot of people feel with like with various series that you get into, and this doesn't just go for gaming. This goes for movies. This goes for TV shows. Like you love this show, but the ninth season's just absolutely terrible. But you want that tenth season to be good again because you want to remember. Unless you're Game of Thrones, in which case there's no saving you now. But um, no, I. I I just want the remaster to exist to remind me of what it used to be so that when the fourth game comes out, I'm at least willing to give them the chance to not fuck up again. Even though that uh, with E under the umbrella, I kind of expect it anyway. Considering that Bioware has just been in this really weird state. I think we already talked about it. Maybe maybe we did or maybe we didn't. But I don't think we did. I think it was just me and you just chatting one time. It might have been that. Yeah. But yeah, like Bioware is already on this weird, like, could they be on the, on the way out too? Like so many EA game companies are, but... Who knows? I, I just want them to not be because Mass Effect is like my favorite series from them. So, Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker, but I think, I don't know, I think having it come out in May and I, like, good luck if they end up getting bumped, but I think you're going to start having more and more exclusives to the next generation come out and you're going to look and you're going to be like, yeah, it looks good, but I mean, I've got, you know, brand new generation made, you know, exclusives for my next gen console and it might it might look old it might feel old i mean you've already got the hurdle that you're basically repainting an old game and then it's even on last gen tech i don't know i don't i don't think it's gonna like kill it or make it like a a failure at launch but no no they'll they'll definitely do very well i I think you underestimate how like really passionate that fan base is and really just wants to go back and and play fem shep some more so for sure yeah and it very well could be like i said i am not the biggest mass effects fan to to begin with but uh it'll be interesting to see what happens it's also uh, a remaster i don't think they're intending to make like a boatload of money i think they're just intending to reinvigorate the fan base because they've been in a really rough state and probably remind you hey remember remember when bioware was good and you and you and you trusted us remember, remember when we were game of the year like every time we put something out yeah yeah um that's coming up in may of 2021 i want to take a time and go back to the year that was 2020 i was hoping we wouldn't i was trying to forget that year what a year it was what a year it was lots of things happened but one thing that i think happened to all of us we all got stuck inside and there's very little to do except play video games uh and with that being said playstation has released their playstation year in review uh if you are a uh, playstation subscriber player if you have a playstation you can go to the playstation blog and they have a 2020 wrap-up uh and here you can kind of see if you put in your um, information they'll tell you you know how many games you played how long you played and i thought it might be fun for you and i to kind of go through and see 
kind of compare notes and see what our year looked like. So basically, I, we're going to tell you guys how much of a no life we have. Bunch of nerds we are. Um, but I mean, you're what you're listening to a gaming podcast, so you probably are joining the club anyway. So I don't think it's going to be all, a we're all now. In we're good just company. competing. There's, there's no judgment here. It's all it's a safe space here, Adam. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. We're we're all here. We're all in the same boat. It's not like it's not like we can go outside and do sports and do like like wood carvings and stuff. We're all stuck inside, so might as well escape to other worlds. Uh, Adam, do you want to? Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do it as like uh, you want to bring out our competitive side and kind of compare notes? Do we want to see if there's any surprises? How do you want to do this? I mean, we could just kind of just go from each category and just kind of talk. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be much of a competitive aspect for it because I don't think winning really me makes me feel that much better about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't. This isn't going to be like our Metacritic contest. I don't think I'm going to be being like, oh, I played longer hours than you did. Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's gonna be different camps. You're you're of the camp of how uh, how much did I not play and like do other things, and me being a new dad, I'm like, how much time was I able to actually get to play? Uh, once again, I hope my wife isn't listening and she comes down and realizes how much free time I have. So, uh, yeah, uh, Adam, let's start with uh, let's start with an easy one. Uh, how many games did you play in 2020 according to PlayStation? Well, we don't know if any of this is bugged, but according to PlayStation, I played 56 games, which I wow, which I don't believe because I'm relatively sure that that means there was a bunch of games that I played for five minutes and went no. <laughs> yeah, and that's the I thing. would I, I would hope think... that it would count like more than an hour's worth of time, but I'm assuming it's just anything you turned on, which could also be demos. That's something I thought about too because I played a few demos for for my channel as well at some point, so that might also be part of it. I'm not could sure be. how it counts it. Yeah, I I'm feel like 56 sure. is too high a number because I don't, I don't generally play a lot of games because I play a lot of lengthy ones at a time. So I, I was usually... gonna say you play JRPGs like you don't get out of those. If 50 hours is just the intro to to a JRPG. Like if I was to make a proper estimate, I think it's more than like I think it's about half that maybe maybe 30 at max. And there's probably either demos or like bunch of nopes littered in there i'm sure if it i wish it would actually break down all the games for me so i could see like oh okay so this game that i put two minutes in you counted okay that's weird but yeah uh, yeah that's apparently the number it tells me and, and i'm not quite believing that one but yeah so i have 36 and like you i'm kind of like that seems pretty high um like not in terms of like it's not a high number but i think for me like i don't i can't remember all 36 games that i played i mean trying to think now like i mean there's last of us ghost of tsushima fall guys but i mean yeah i guess there's like random like free ps plus games i tried and stuff so it, it might be those two um i mean the obvious ones here there's some that i'm seeing that i'm like oh yeah i totally forgot that i played this one uh what were your top games for 2020 uh so from bottom to top well i guess i only gives you your top three so metal gear solid was my third one at 105 legends of heroes trails of cold steel 3 is at 136 that's going to get broken this year when i finish four which i'm already at about 120 and yep. i'm pretty sure i've got at least another 20 to go and then number one was persona 5 royal at 139 hours so jrpgs definitely ran the list it says my top genre was action adventure at 372 I, again i'm looking at that being like how many action adventure games did I play for that long? Because I'm thinking Metal Gear and maybe God of War, and after that, I'm thinking I don't think I played anything else that would have been that long. Well, here's the thing: Do they think they count JRPGs as a genre, though? They would probably count them as RPGs, though. True. But then you've got action RPGs. Like, I mean, technically, like a lot of action games now are RPGs. 
I'm going like, through my list just be... to see if I can find anything that can kind of make sense of it. And like one of the few things that I think might have been a part, they might consider Minecraft part of that. <laughs> I'm wondering. Yeah, like I mean, what like what would you put what would you put Minecraft as if you had to put it as a category? I don't know. I'd probably put it under the casual. Or, See, I'd put it under or, it might it might be adventure, right? Yeah. I mean, there's also the Yakuza know. games. That, actually, Yakuza might be part of it. Yeah, that probably makes sense. That might be it. That might be a big one. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, top one. Yeah, you know from what? It's probably Yakuza is probably a big reason why. Now that I'm looking at my yeah. uh, my trophy list. Yeah, I think it's just the lines are getting blurred between like RPG and action RPG and stuff. I wish they break it down a little bit harder, just so I could kind of see it, get a better idea of like what everything was. But I I know this yeah. is just some weird formality that they use like a very bare minimum on the algorithms for. Oh, so. this is just for fun. I don't think I don't think they have like, you know, MIT grads with PhDs doing this data analysis. They probably they got should. you know Jeff. They probably got Jeff the intern be like, hey, can you whip up some code real quick? And he's like, yeah, sure. Dust off his little Cheeto fingers and start typing. So. Flaming um, hot Cheeto fingers. Thank you very much. Exactly. That, well, that's that's staples, right? Uh, for me and my top games, uh, Witcher Three Wild Hunt. I got into the DLC for Witcher Three, so I did the um, heart. Is it Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine? And I really enjoyed those, and I ended up spending fifty-three hours. Uh, fun story. Witcher Three is one of the games that uh, that game. I played it when it first came out, and oh my god, did that come out at a perfect time! Uh, I was fun employed that summer and I like had a lot of free time and sunk so many hours into that. And that was one of the few times where, where my, my wife had to come and be like, so I know you're having fun and I know that like you've got the time, but you know, there's an outside you should go check out sometimes. And that was a, that was one of the few times she's had to do that with me. Uh, that's that's when you turn to an anime character and be like, no. Yeah. Uh, the other two, no surprises for me uh, in terms of what I play. Uh, Last of Us Part 2, 57 hours. And Ghost of Tsushima, 69 hours. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so those are the ones for me that are uh, my top three. Uh, total hours of gameplay in 2020. Now, this this can't seem right. Um, I, I wonder if this is like... I mean, I know I've had some times where the game was on pause and I just left the screen on or... Uh, if they count rest mode, but I've got total hours of gameplay in 2020 as 1,109. So yeah, if I, do I almost math, don't want to believe that because there's no way that you only beat me by about 500 because I'm at six, 1672. 1672? Yeah, so like, if we do the math, PlayStation is telling me I've spent 46 days playing video games, and that doesn't seem right. So, I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case, but um, I mean, it might be. Uh, I just. I mean, I, I yeah. kind of agree with where you're at that it might be downtime because I do keep this thing on quite a bit. So I wonder if it counts just like that, where it's just sitting on a screen. Yeah, I mean, I, there's been times where like I'll be playing and I will just like I have to go do something. I have to be an adult and I'll just put it on pause and walk away. The other thing is. Is it counting gameplay, or if I'm streaming like Netflix or YouTube or something like that, is that counting playtime as well? I would imagine it's any time a game is open. That would be my mm -hmm. guess. No, give me give me the out here, buddy. Give me the out. <laughs> so you're at sixteen. You said sixteen seventy-two. Seventy-two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you do mostly like I'm assuming it's mostly local offline? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It was a ninety-seven percent to three percent thing. 
Yeah, I was 99 to 1. I'm pretty sure that almost all of my online time this year was Minecraft. I did not. I don't generally play a lot of online games anymore that are competitive because I don't like the the. I don't like I don't like the community of it anymore. Yeah, no, I was the same way. I had uh, Ghost of Tsushima was pretty much the number one. I I probably played Overcooked with some friends. Fall Guys I played a little bit, um, but it was Ghost of Tsushima with uh, with one of my buddies that him and I just ended up playing for a while when that came out. It came out like at the perfect time. Um, I think in general, I think in general, like just games, like I played so much Destiny back when it was out that I think like online gameplay. I'm just like, man, I don't like dealing with people anymore. I'd rather just deal with myself. I already yell at myself enough. Why do I want to yell at other people too? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm enjoying this time. I don't need someone to ruin it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other stats on here that you want to kind of go through that you want to share that you're surprised by? Um, no, not in particular. I mean, everything else made sense. Like it said, I played most Sunday afternoon. Well, that makes perfect sense for most people. See, uh, mine was weird, and it said that my most common playtime was Monday afternoons, and I'm like, um, I, I I work. I don't think it's Monday afternoons that I'm playing. Uh, so if my boss is listening, though, that it cannot be right. So. But otherwise, like it's like the achievement things. I don't care. It's it, it's a non thing for me. And then the funny thing is like, oh, you only played 11 total PS5 game play hours. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I basically only played Astros and Bug Snacks. So I'm not shocked by that. If I had played anything to... else, I, it would have changed that. But yeah, no, it's we're not at that point yet. The PS5 games are in, in such massive supply that I'm going to be overriding that yet. See, I've got 66 hours of PS5 gameplay with most of it going to Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, you need to you need to get onto like Miles Morales. You need to get into that. I mean, until I convince my friend to console share with me, I'm not, I'm not paying money for that. I'm going to mooch that shit, yo. Mm. I think you should go for it. Pull the trigger. Well, I still got to finish a 150-hour game. So, I mean, I'm also, <laughs> and Ghost of Tsushima is on my shelf, so I'm going to have some weird priorities. Maybe I should do Miles uh, first, though. No. Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of tempted. I, I think Ghost of Tsushima, in my opinion, is a better game, but it's a longer game, and I feel like you need to just... I need Not to offset way, my 100-hour epics with something that's under 10. You need to burn through Miles Morales, and it's a fantastic game. Like, you're going to love it, and that's then not true. Well, that's not true. I have played a short game. I did play Coffee Talk, so that was like three hours. So I'm sure that's that's that counts, right? I offset yeah. 150 with three. You know, if you're, if you're looking at your averages, you just brought it down significantly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like playing baseball and you're having an ERA. It's like, look, you maybe have a lot of 150 runs in this game, but you only allowed three here. You know, clearly it's going to make your stats look a little bit better. <laughs> for sure it's all about just like you know playing the numbers awesome all right well i think that about concludes uh this week's episode adam any sort of closing thoughts anything you want to that we didn't touch on yet that you want to mention i am more than happy with ending a gaming podcast with a baseball stats reference i am more than okay with that <laughs> all right we will leave it there well thank you guys for joining us on the third episode of the pixel play podcast uh, if you have any questions or you want to email us, you can email us at pixelplaypodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter and Instagram, just not actively yet, uh, at pixelplaycast. Uh, we can also be found pretty much on YouTube, Spotify, and all major podcast services. Have I got Soon. that right, Adam? Soon. Soon. We're working on it. We're on a lot of them, though. We're on a lot. I was looking at them. Like Anchor, we have, we're on quite a few of them. Because I think we're on like Google, we're on Anchor. What else are we on? Apple's the big one to work on. We're working on it. That one takes so. time. We'll get there. We'll get there. Anyways, Adam, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I will see you next week. Yeah. All right. Have a good one.